Welcome to Uninterrupted. We're on a mission to unlearn and learn about all things fashion, retail and tech from the best in the industries. Hop on and be part of our journey as we unleash these gems for you. This podcast has been presented by Mirror.com, a global augmented reality technology platform revolutionizing the way people shop via their seamless virtual try-ons. Now available for jewelry, eyewear and watches. Today I'm in conversation with Rebecca Motter, the founder and CEO at Loan Design Club, an antidote to fast fashion aimed at connecting shoppers with ethical, independent fashion and lifestyle brands. She's taking immersive retail to another level with a 24/7 online store, international concept stores, experiences and events, and brand support. Her take on retail is sustainable and conscious. and we couldn't be more excited for this conversation rebecca welcome to uninterrupted and thank you for accommodating us in your packed schedule no problem thanks for having me it's great to be here you know in all honesty i have never been more intrigued while reading a brand story um you know what you're trying to do with a uh, loan design club is very revolutionary tell me about how it all started sure my background is actually in a luxury women's wear so i initially trained as a designer um so i was not in retail i was not in business at all much more in the creative kind of sector i was working for various design houses and ended up launching my own fashion brand I've been working I had a bit of a side hustle while I was working in the industry and side hustle consisted of doing some pieces commissions and loans for celebrities like Lady Gaga Charlie XCX um and some other kind of cool people and it was from those kind of celebrity ambassadors that we we got a lot of recognition and then London Fashion Week um offered if we'd like to showcase which we being kind of early 20s and and young and and passionate and driven and excited we when I say we I was working with a friend at the time quit our jobs and thought yeah great let's let's do this let's let's try and grow a brand and you know i think when you're at that kind of age and it's it's all kind of just coming in the opportunities um you just want to take them but it was definitely a big learning on the business side and it was a exciting journey and one that then led me to loan design club as we launched the brand at fashion week in february 2015 we soon realized the challenges that the industry was facing as a small brand selling to you know trying to get your brand into stores you know it's hard enough that concept alone but then when you do get those orders the margins are very small the factories that you're working with to produce your collections the textile mills that you're getting your fabrics from everybody has minimum order quantities and trying to meet those quantities is extremely difficult then when you've got discount stores that are buying the products apply discounts you get penalized for like deliveries just everything is really it's really tough for a small brand to grow organically and sustainably. One of the biggest challenges that we found was the disparity between um brand and customer. Selling to stores you don't meet that customer, yet you're expected to build an organic and sustainable business that answers to or has a commercial element that is essentially solving a problem or creating something for a customer. So essentially it was these problems or these challenges that led us to start Learn Design Club. After or our initial kind of year or so or two years in the industry of, you know, going to London Fashion Week, then going to market in Paris, building contacts and relationships with stores and buyers, we realized that you know there must be a better way not only to have better margins but for us to have more control over our brand and to get first-hand feedback from customers that we could use to build our business 
So we started experimenting with pop-up stores. And the first one we did was in London's Brick Lane back in 2016, where we actually took over or started taking over spaces that were underutilized retail, essentially, and working with other brands from Fashion Week or in our network who were also having these same challenges. And it was amazing. Big things we realized very fast were that, you know, customers wanted to come in and meet the people behind the brands. They wanted to connect and had that experience that you couldn't get online and you can't get on the high street. They wanted to know about the product, the transparency. They wanted to know, you know, what inspired the designer, that whole story that's so powerful and such a huge part you know of the process especially when you're buying something unique and a little bit different so I guess it was that and then at the same time for the brands or the designers being able to meet their customers firsthand and understand or learn you know what was it that these customers liked was it the cut the fit the material and what didn't they like and how could they use feedback to build organic and sustainable businesses going forward that weren't just consuming for the sake of it weren't just designing and creating for the sake of it but actually creating collections that people wanted and that were mindful and transparent we could be really strategic and lean with our operations so I guess that's kind of the initial story right okay from all of the story that you've just mentioned for me like the idea of you know even building that immersive store is very exciting you know even in India like I'm based out of Delhi Mm -hmm. and there's like a couple of like concept stores here in Delhi as well and I go to them like very very often because for me it's it's almost like you know a one-stop destination for everything that I want to do but tell me like when you're curating like an immersive sort of like a pop-up store what are the elements that every store that you curate will always have the first thing is that the designers are always in our stores Um, it's really important for us that the brands themselves spend at least a day a week in those stores connecting with customers it not only helps with conversion and sales but it's really important for those designers to get that feedback and experience and that's such a special experience that we're creating between brand or designer and and customer. So that's the number one. The second thing for us is, you know, we like to, to pop up already. It's a call to action. It's a short time. Um, so, you know, it's about this idea of short term, but maximum impact. So we like two weeks. We do do a little bit longer sometimes, but our kind of optimum is a two week pop up store. And every day we're filling that store with different events and experiences, whether that's panel discussions on sustainability for 100 people in the evening, or it's a shopping party for three or four high net worth um, individuals, or it's a meet the maker session um, during the day. We love kind of anything that's really going to help people go deeper into the brands and deeper into our ethos. Sustainability is really important to what we do. We do believe that I mean, I think everyone is in agreement that the future, we have to be more mindful of our own consumption, but also as brands, we have a responsibility to the planet and people to ensure that we're paying fair wages, that we're treating people right, but at the same time that we're not taking too much from this earth. We've got so much stuff in this planet already, you know, and a big thing for us is focusing now, especially on circular economy or you know, upcycling what's out there that can be reused, recycled, as opposed to just creating more and more. So we do work with our brands closely on that. And for us, each of those innovations and those interesting stories is an opportunity to create an experience. Other experiences we do are workshops that the designers lead, which might be about uh, upcycling or make, do and mend. They might be candle making workshops. Serious experiences and happenings that will help people connect on a deeper level with these incredible independent designers. And for us, it's not just about a transaction. It's about creating a moment, creating that moment, that experience that someone won't forget. 
I've been lucky enough to have, be part of some amazing experiences in store. I've had customers cry out of nostalgia and just because certain pieces and conversations with brands evoked uh, a lot of memories that really took, you know, took people back, which is really amazing to see. And at the same time for us, you know, we focus also on in-store touch points. Our stores, again, they're, they're just two weeks. They're very temporary. So there is that nature of, you know, they are a bit like raw. There is often the element of, you know, in and out. But what we really focus on is how can we create or how can we make a two-week store feel like it's there longer? Or how can we play into the fact that we're only there for two weeks? You know, we don't want these glossy, fully fitted out stores that are just full of stuff. We want meaningful touch points and experiences throughout that store that'll excite. So for us, the way we do it, we use a lot of vinyl. It's a lot of signage. We use QR codes so that different products and different brands, you can scan and you can watch videos with the brands if they're not in store, or you can watch videos of the processes. You can sign up to specific update lists on the different designers. We have various touch points throughout the store. Um, We do a lot of immersive experiential zones. Uh, so lots of different things. We like to work with a lot of partners to really deepen that experience and help them connect with customers on a whole new level. Right. I think it just becomes more meaningful even for the consumer, right? Yeah. Because it just becomes more memorable and it's almost etched in their memory. It's very difficult to forget it after. Exactly. Right. Okay. But tell me that for any brand to become part of an immersive pop-up, like what does it take for them to be part of a pop-up? Like what checkboxes do they need to tick off? So we we like to operate or we'd like to think that we're really inclusive. I think one of the challenges with the fashion industry is that for too long it operated too exclusively, which was a shame. And there are so many incredibly talented brands out there that I think the big challenge really is just being able to access the right customer. Um, and obviously that's what we're solving at Lone Design Club is you know, we want anyone with a brand or anyone that's creative that wants to have a brand we want to get those those brands to customers and connect them Um, and we believe we can do that through our pop-up stores and our online marketplace the big thing for us is that anyone can essentially join or be part of our community the tricky bit is is the brand ready and i think this is something that can often it can take a bit of time for instance for us uh, the way it works is you can approach us and if you fit our sustainability criteria or you fit one of the, the kind of check boxes, for us, it's about sustainable materials, ethical production and social responsibility. As long as one of those is, is hit, then that's kind of the first stage. The second stage is just being part of the community to help to kind of learn and grow where we run an accelerator program, which is masterclasses, webinars and content um, every week and this is a way for us to help start to build and support brands growth then the kind of the big bit is joining online or in a pop-up store to join a pop-up store it's important that the brand is ready and by this you know you have a have a strong understanding of your your collection you have size runs because selling directly to consumer you do need size runs and you do need to feel confident in your brand that your production is at a certain level It's important for us that the quality is there, that the story, the sustainability story, the designer story, um, all of that is there and that we're able to really take that and help get that across to customers. It's a very kind of conversational process. Um, And the team are, you know, our team are great. They'll ensure they'll spend a lot of time with the different designers trying to understand, is this, you know, is this going to be a really good fit? And if it's not, how can we help? Or what advice can we give so that the brand can prepare and get ready? Because not everybody is always going to fit. And it's also depending on product categories. I've had some beautiful brands come to us that 
are product categories that our customer just doesn't have the appetite. And the last thing that we'd want to do is take on a brand that weren't 100% sure in. And then, you know, it didn't go great. It doesn't look great on us. So it's very much a, a conversation and a relationship. We're very open. We're very honest and transparent with our feedback and we'll do what we can to help. Fair enough. But, you know, I'm just going to continue on something that you said where you were talking about sustainability and how, you know, that is one of the most important facets of being part of the um, LDC community as well. Do you maybe have some tips that you can share for, say, a homegrown label or like a small scale designer to maybe, you know, fuse in a little bit of sustainability into, say, their daily operations or even their approach? Yeah. So what we always say is like, one of the advantages of being a small brand, whether you're a one-man band or you've got a small team, is that you have transparency over your supply chain that bigger retailers really struggle with. And that is already something to celebrate. The fact that you're the one that um, designed, you know, you're the designer essentially, or you're the person that is part of that, you know, it's your brand that you're building. And with that, you've got the ability to go and visit those factories. You know, is the factory up to a standard that's appropriate? Does it come with certification? You know, is it recognized? Um, has it been audited? Is this a good factory to align yourself with? Because making those partnership decisions is crucial. And being confident that the factory that you're manufacturing your pieces, that you feel comfortable and confident is, you know, paying fair wages, is doing a really good job, is a safe place, is really important. So I, I encourage all designers, especially at the beginning, to go and meet those factories, be there, spend time in them, and really understand those people that you're working with and ensure that certain levels are met and look out for those certifications. On the other side, in terms of materials, this is crucial, you know, really understanding where are you sourcing your materials from? What are the composition of those materials? What is in them and, and how can these be better? Do you have to be using that material? Could you use a version that's recycled? Could you use more natural or organic materials? Ensuring that that decision process is built into the design process from the start, because I think those are two very powerful tools that we can all do is understanding where our pieces are made, who's making them, and is it fair? And ensuring that we're, we're making the best decisions when it comes to our, our design process. Right, right. Rebecca, when you also launched like the 24-7 like online store, was that also like a step towards a more sustainable approach? Um, the reason that our online exists, I mean, for us, the future of retail has to be a hybrid of digital and physical. We really believe that physical is important. You know, it's that experiential space, somewhere for customers to touch, feel and see the garments. But it's because we focus on pop-up stores and because of the nature of how, you know, for us, they're really quick, they're in and they're out. You know, they are temporary. And what we really wanted or what we felt was has been really important is that there is a space that is permanent, that is digital. This is our online space for customers all over the world to come and meet the next generation of sustainable brands. It is the mothership of the company. It is online. Online. It's easy for designers that we work with all over the world to have their products in that one place. It's our one big mega store, I guess. It wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was a decision in terms of sustainability. It was a decision in terms of community and being able to retain and, and communicate longer term with our customers. Right. In fact, even for us, um, you know, I'm part of an organization that's hugely focused on one community. And secondly, revolutionizing the way that this community is shopping, because we operate in the space of virtual try-ons and it's powered by augmented reality. So on this similar lines, I have like a multi-fold sort of question mm -hmm. for you. One, how would you um, define the 21st century new age shopper? And secondly, what is your take on the role of immersive technology? 
Ladies in G10? So the first question, I think, I think this is really interesting. And it's something that we've been speaking about a lot. You know, everyone says, especially with COVID, you know, what was supposed to happen in about five to 10 years has been forced into about 10 months. And that doesn't just apply to the brands. And I think there's been a lot of focus on organizations and companies having to adapt fast and to pivot and to suddenly go all digital. And it's been amazing to see. But I think the big thing here as well is that customers had to as well. You know, all of us all over the world, you know, we're swapping our sandals or our boots for slippers. We're swapping, going out, you know, meeting friends on the high street and going out to do a bit of shopping with everything becoming online. So I don't think anyone was ready for it. And I think, you know, it took everyone, of course, by surprise. But I think because of that, it's been a really interesting shift, not just on the brand side, but on the customer side. One of the things that we really noticed, we've used a lot of QR codes even before COVID. Nobody in the in the West or in, in the UK, they were very rarely used. In Italy, they were used a little bit because there's a much larger um, Asian audience. And then, of course, when we were in Shanghai, it was what was used everywhere. And it's been interesting to see the difference, whereas now when we do pop-ups or when we use QR codes, they're second nature to a Western customer, which is amazing. And a lot of that, obviously, COVID came then when we were able to go you know, to the pub or wherever we had to use QR codes to order. So it's been a massive shift in customer behavior. You know, Even now, you know, people's grandmas are using QR codes, which here in the West would never have happened before COVID. At the same time, certain social media tools, we're doing a lot of live stream shopping. Um, and finding this is a really interesting way to connect with customers and create some physical experiences, but virtual, which is seeing great success with kind of where we're headed and, and the pandemic, it's really accelerated not only the brand's reliance and you know, innovation on technology and digital, but the customers are becoming more and more used to doing things digitally um, and how technology and digital can actually you know, help them a bit more, which before I think it was just a real big emphasis on gimmick. In terms of the immersive technologies in store. I think we're going to see a lot. I think it's a super exciting time. There's definitely been a sense that technologies in store have always been very gimmicky. You know, they're like little fun things that, you know, maybe keep someone's attention for, I don't know, a couple of minutes, but it's not actually going to aid a purchase. And I think it's going to be interesting as we do come out of COVID and we do, you know, look towards this retail renaissance or the roaring 20s as we keep hearing there's going to be a big boom in spending when we can get back to the high street. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what brands have been using this time to build technologies deeper into their stores. I think one of the biggest opportunities in retail is what that relationship between the store and digital looks like and how can it be the most seamless and most... Um, simple experience possible for a customer yeah i think omni channel is the way to go right because you actually just go where your customer is and they're literally just everywhere yeah. right now so like the more channels you have the better chance of connecting with like a global yeah audience i mean there there, that's a really yeah it's a good point they are everywhere and i guess that's one of the advantages of digital is that you're able to reach so many more customers but one of the interesting things, I think, is that you'll have a higher engagement in that store because of the physical surroundings and because you've got sales associates there to talk to customers, to engage them, to encourage them into the store, to try things on, to browse. Digitally, you have this big challenge where as a brand, you're not in control of that customer. And I think it's it's really fascinating how they're very different. One has the ability to reach a lot more people 
but lot lesser control over their customers. And then the other has all the control or the majority of that control, but can't reach as many people. And I think the beauty or what we're really going to see is when you can bring those two together and fuse them seamlessly, that's going to be extremely successful. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. You know, actually for us, it's a little bit on mm-hmm. the opposite. So for us, you know, when we have um, Mirar, which is our product installed in a store, it's it's more from like an experience engagement sort of perspective um, where, you know, people can create an experience store and um, it's more from like a selection mm-hmm. point of view, right? So people come there and um, browse through like uh, infinite inventory, choose what they like, and then they finally like try it on physically. But on like a website, um, we've actually, seen so many people engage a lot more with you know just a boring catalog otherwise so for us um, even though you know what you're saying about like having that control over the consumer is is just something like at least I haven't ever thought about it's very interesting for me to like think about it from that mm. perspective as well yeah it's, it's so, so interesting and that's I think you know that's why you know digital magazines and like blog articles and like you're talking about catalogs it all becomes so important because that is the way that you're holding a customer's attention. You know, we always talk digitally. How do you keep eyeballs on the website? How do you keep the clicks to conversion as low as possible so the customer journey is easy? How do you use content to engage essentially as, you know, as a way to get someone to convert? Yeah, 100%, like a lot of food Mm. for thought. Okay, um, you know, I'm just going to move to the last phase of our podcast, which is called High Five. It's a quick rapid fire round. So I'm just going to shoot. Cool. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, what is one design aesthetic that always works for fashion leaders? A design aesthetic? I would say something you can't go wrong with is basics. Fair. Okay. What are the top three takeaways for brands that are part of your Accelerator program? Top three takeaways. Do one thing really well. I think is absolutely important. Don't try and do everything. Um, don't try and just build a brand for the sake of it. What is that one USP or one unique selling point? one thing that you're doing really well that you're going to focus on. I see too many brands trying to do too much and it's confusing for a customer at the beginning, especially second point of this is ideas are great, but execution is the hard part. Everyone has ideas, but unless you can execute, which is always the most difficult part, it's just so challenging. So I think a big thing here is, you know, balance those ideas with realistically what you can execute to its absolute best. I think another one is power of collaboration. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate how important collaboration really is, Um, whether that's collaborating with other designers, other brands, uh, cross-marketing opportunities, using each other's networks is absolutely powerful and crucial and the best way to build a brand. Okay. That's really good advice. Um, what is your top mantra for ensuring a work-life balance? (laughs) Oh, this is terrible because I'm really bad at it. I don't know, I would just work nonstop if I could. And it's just not healthy. Um, I think the big thing is prioritizing personal mental health and personal space. And you'll actually get a lot more done. You're much more productive. You're much more um, passionate about what you're doing um, by giving yourself time. So taking holidays is really important. Um, Switching off at certain times of the day and over the weekends. Seeing the power in personal time actually makes you much more productive, much happier, um, and you'll do a much better job. 
Right. Okay. What is the one key to a very successful communication strategy for any retail brand? Authenticity and being genuine. Okay. What is the one trend in the fashion space that is like the absolute worst when it comes to Ooh, sustainability? Good question. I mean, honestly, there are a lot. If I was to choose one, I think the biggest problem that we have is overconsumption, especially of fast fashion. There's still such a mentality of buy quick, buy cheap, buy a lot. And that is just killing the industry. And it is so unnecessary. This mentality of fast fashion, cheap purchases has to go because somebody's paying for it. And it just makes it even worse when we're consuming at this speed and this price and people are being hurt in the process, but then it's ending up in landfill a week later. It's unnecessary. Right. I think, you know, even if like every person takes one little step in that direction, exactly. we'll be a lot better. Okay, great. Rebecca, thank you so, so, so much for sharing such phenomenal insights. I've had a great time chatting up with you no and problem. thank you so much for being no on. No problem. Under- thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation and I look, I look forward to hearing it when it comes out. For everyone who tuned in today, thank you so much for taking the time out and listening to our conversation. If this conversation struck a chord with you, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share this with your friends and family. If you have a take on the topic we discussed or if you'd like to share some feedback, please feel free to write to me. I'm going to catch you next week with yet another uninterrupted conversation. Have a great evening ahead.